The prayer of faith. What is that? How do we live it out? How do we pray a prayer of faith? And is it something that is active every single time we pray? Today, our friend Mike Lagaris of the River Church is joining Pastor Scott to talk about this very topic as we wrap up the book of James. Thank you for welcoming us to wherever you are today. Today on the Midweek Move, man, we have kind of the second installment with a special guest, great friend from Ohio. Uh, we're chopping up James chapter five. Man, that that last episode was awesome, man. We just broke that thing down. And man, God had some really cool, if you did not watch that, if you did not listen to that, go back, listen to that. Man, there is some quality, quality, not just contextual stuff for you, but man, some practical everyday living stuff. But again, with me is Michael Lagaris from the River Church in Warren, Ohio. Thank you, Michael, once again. Uh, how you doing, man? Doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me on uh, on your show. Uh, it is a pleasure and an honor, and uh, we love the healing place. The River Church <laughs> loves the healing place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so James chapter 5, we're going to dive right into this, verse 13, and there are a lot of things to unpack just in, in 13 to 20 to finish out the book of James. And uh, so, uh, again, just kind of strap it on, get ready, uh, because we are, we are going to break down some things and maybe break down some mindsets and some thought processes that maybe you've been taught, maybe some erroneous uh, theology that you've been taught as it has to do with healing, as it has to do with faith, as it has to do with a lot of things. I think that so many times in different realms, um, certain certain quote unquote camps or tribes, if you will, uh, kind of are like, Hey, we're in this camp and we're in this camp and Hey, I'm in a, I'm in the word camp and Hey, I'm in the spirit camp. And I never understood any of that because it's both. And you got to have it all, man. And if you're a word, then you got to be spirit too. I mean, there's no delineate. Hey, I'm from the faith camp. Hey, I'm from the whatever camp. And we sometimes in the church have become the worst at identity politics. Come on. And what we end up doing is we take people away from their true identity of who they yeah. are as a child of God. And so what we want to do today is we want to bring you probably a word that even the, call it the charismatic camp, whatever, even they have an issue with. And I'm not going to put myself in any camp, but so many times uh, that camp kind of has the mindset of, oh, we hate balance. We, we can't stand that word balance because that means there's a governor on our faith and we can't believe God for the impossible. And But what we're talking about when we talk about balance is we're talking about there is a fine line. Listen, every good and perfect gift comes from God above. God's put gifts in every single person on this earth and how they use those are up to them. And there is a very fine line sometimes of the giftings of God. Sometimes we can't understand why it looks like maybe somebody who's not serving the Lord is blessed. Why are they blessed? And I'm not blessed. Why are they, why is that business person? They don't even love Jesus. Why are they making all that money? And I don't get to make money. Listen, the gift belongs to the Lord. The gift isn't the person's stir up the gift that is in you, right? That has been given by who? By God. 
So the gifts that we have been given, if we would look back to pre-Jesus in our life, we could see how God even used our gifts, not for our benefit, but for His glory. God will use the lost. He will use the unsaved because the gifts are all His to fulfill His purposes. And so in the midst of James, he has been talking about so many different things. And we just walked through um, talking about um, their heart and the motivation of their heart. James is trying to bring them back to center. He's trying to bring them back to balance. Here's your balance. Jesus, yeah, Here's come on. Center, Jesus, your hearts have been put in the wrong places and the wrong people in the wrong situations. And now you have gotten off track and now your behavior, the fruit of your life is now an evidence of where your heart is. Listen, wherever your heart is, you may think you're going to hide it. You may think you're going to tuck it away, but at some point, if it takes root in your heart, it is going to manifest in your life in some way in a behavior pattern. And that's the way James has been trying to bring them all back to center. And so now he goes into this and you and I, Michael, we, we are, we are a part, our DNA is man. Jesus is a healer, man. Jesus is a healer. Now that brings up a lot of questions that, that come our way and some questions Quite honestly, we don't have to give an answer for because no. of the sovereignty of God. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I'm not sovereign. I'm not the sovereign one. God is yeah. sovereign. I would just say this before we even launch into this one, because faith is a very um, touchy subject, especially um, in some of the circles that we've traveled in. But yeah. I just want to say this. There are some things that we know, right? Let's let's just establish this right as we jump into this. God yep. is good. Yep. He's all. He's never going to change. Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, the Bible also tells us there's no shadow, there's no variation of changing. So we know that if he's good, his motivation towards us is the same as John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, and um, I I do want to just touch on this just briefly before we launch into this. Like we get into blaming God for all of the things that that he, you know, that don't happen, but then we glorify God for the things that, you know, when, when it suits our, our narrative. Right. And uh, so I just want to leave that there. So, so people yeah. can do on that, but at the same time, here's the one thing that I do know, and you just touched on it. There are so many things in this world, in this life, we have finite minds. We do not think like God does. We do not process like he does. But here's what I I remember reading in, uh, I believe it was Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. I believe I may have to go and check the address when you start talking again. Uh, But the Bible says this, that the secret things belong to God. There are some things that I am never going to understand, and I'm okay. I've got to understand that. But I also have to remember this. There's too much in the Scripture. There's too much in the Bible that talks about God coming to Jesus, came to destroy the works of the devil. Sickness is not from God. Um, We know this, that it's a work of the devil. And Jesus would not have healed all of these people if he didn't want them to be healed. If he was trying to teach them a lesson, he he would use, um, he, he would not have healed them. He do you do you follow where I'm where I'm going with that? Oh yeah, no doubt. But Jesus also had the understanding of the sovereignty of the Father, which yeah, is absolutely. why he said, "I only do what the Father is doing. Yeah. I'm only a part of what the Father is doing." You can even go to the Pool of Bethesda, 
there are people laying everywhere, but Jesus heals one. It's not recorded that he healed everybody in that scenario. He heals yeah. one. When they ask him what's going on, why did he do it? I and the Father am one. I only do what I see the Father doing. So let me just give this as an encouraging word to those of you that have kind of prophetic antennas and you're ready to give everybody in Kroger, you know, a word when you walk in there. Guess what? Everybody in Kroger is not ready for your word, but there is somebody who's ready for it. And yeah. if you're one with the Father, you will have the discernment of the Holy Spirit to know when you walk into an atmosphere of who is ready to receive. Because yeah. Jesus even asked the man, do you want to be healed? Which seems like such an insidious, stupid question. Because the guy's yeah. been lame for 38 years. It's like, of course he wants to be healed. But Jesus still asked him, do you want to be healed? And then the guy goes into this diatribe of all kinds of excuses. And basically Jesus in the Scott International Version says, mm -hmm. I didn't ask you any of that. Like, I just asked you, do you want to be healed? Yes or no. And I believe just from even the rest of the scriptures, Jesus wasn't just asking him, are you ready to be healed physically? But are you ready to be healed? And are you ready for not the reaction, but are you ready for the payment that comes on the backside of being healed? We never think about that, Michael, the mm. payment of healing. And what is the payment of healing? Well, Jesus paid it all, but there's also a payment afterwards because are you ready to live with the effects of being healed? Well, are we willing? Yeah, think about it. If we say, man, I would love to walk into a cancer center and every single person in that place be healed Cancer is eradicated. Well, guess what? That means somebody's going to lose their job. Mm. Some nurse yeah. is going to lose their job. Some doctor is going to lose their practice. There's going to be a loss somewhat in financial because of the healing. Yeah. Man at the, the lame man at the gate. Well, guess what? Now that bones are popping and you're walking all over the place, people are not going to feel sorry for you anymore. You're yeah. not going to stand out in the courtyard anymore, the temple. Now you're going to look like everybody else. And so yeah. there is a reaction to the healing of Jesus that comes that, that we have to be ready for. And you hit on it just a little bit. We always, you know, bless God. He came through, bless God. He came through, bless God. He came through. Well, a lot of times when we pray, sometimes we're praying for an expected outcome. And it's pretty interesting that that outcome is always in our favor. Hmm. Man, God, if you just do this, if you just, and it always is in our favor and done the way that we want it done. And then when God answers our prayer in a way that we didn't expect and we didn't want, then we don't recognize it as an answer to prayer. We almost look at it as if it's an attack of the devil. It's a great conversation because it really makes you think, um, is there, and there is, but is there a higher, um, is there a higher per plan. Yes, there right. is. Yep. The word of God says you, your ways are not my ways. Your thinking is not my thinking. It's much higher than your thinking. Um, but I want to just add a big but right here. There's so much that we see in scripture. Yes, we, we understand there's so much that we're not going to understand in, so, in the sovereignty of him. But you just touched on it too. And I think that we'd be remiss not to, not to address this too. Again, in context of what James is writing, yep. what did we, what, even in the last episode that we just uh, discussed, James was trying to get them back on center. 
He's trying to get their eyes back on the provider. He's trying to get their eyes back on the covenant maker. Jesus Christ, the head, the bridegroom of the church, is who this is all about. And he's trying to get the believers, even he's writing to, to remember body, soul, and spirit. Spirit, soul, and body. In chapter five, he launches into this conversation. Look, and 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 if that wasn't enough, let me talk about um, how much God loves you, that he wants you to, um, he wants you to thrive in this life. Jesus said, I came to, that you might have an abundant life. Well, abundant life also refers to uh, your bodies. And he's trying to get their eyes back on the healer. Healing was part of the covenant. Healing was part, go read F.F. Bosworth. Uh, healing was part of the the blood covenant, was a part of our redemption, our, our purchase back to, to the Father. Um, but what I love about this is again, it's all back to faith. I believe, and and you may share this uh, this perspective. The reason Jesus always asked people, "What do, what is it that you want?" Uh, speaking about the man at Bethesda, speaking to blind Bartimaeus, these are just two that come to my mind. When Jesus addressed these individuals and he said to them, "What is it that you want?" Um, we think. What are you crazy? He's blind. What are you nuts? He hasn't walked in forty years. You know, thirty years. What? What is it? What you? What you? You don't see this, Lord. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing, hearing comes by the word of God, and we understand this: that in their time, they would have begun to hear about the good news, gospel. That just means good news. They would have just been here. And you and I both have been to Israel. You, you and I have both been, been been to the land. The land is not like. Uh, Ohio, it's not like the United States where cities are just, you know, set up hundreds of miles from each other. They were relatively close. You know, the word would have gotten out fast. You know, what was happening? People getting raised up from the dead, people getting healed, people's have having eyes open. What I think this guy heard was, yeah, I know what I heard and I want to believe it. But I don't want to be disappointed. And what James was trying to get their perspective back on was, look, God is the healer, and I've given you a process, and it's called faith. Get your eyes back on the one who can provide, not on what money can do, not on the physicians, not on the te- you know the, 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 the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees. Get your eyes back on Jesus. And uh, when Jesus asked these men, what is it that you want? He was trying to get them to get over into the realm of faith. He was trying to get them over into the realm of, yes, I believe that you want to do this for me. And James is, again, shifting the focus back on faith. And so he leaves it with, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Yeah. Like a definitive. Don't be in the middle. Definitive. And then he says this, is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Mm-hmm. Is any cheerful? Let him sing psalms. So he's he's laying out, listen, life in itself is a balance. You're going to suffer at times. And he's talking to people who have suffered. These people yep. have suffered for their faith. They've been tried. Is any cheerful? Listen, there are going to be days you're cheerful. Let him sing psalms. Is any among you sick? So he didn't say, hey, you're never going to be sick because you're a believer yeah. in Jesus. He says, is any among you sick? Well, let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So 
Michael, the moment we bring this up, man, immediately people come out of the woodwork. Maybe <laughs> on both sides of it. Yeah. yeah. Jesus is going to heal it every single time. Every time I lay my hands on somebody, somebody's going to be healed. To, hey, um, no, that's not what they were saying. You can't just pray for healing, yada, yada, yada. So, so just give me a couple of thoughts on those three verses, just where we are in the context of this. So let me just jump right to uh, verse 14. Actually, let me start with something that you just said. Um, when I lay hands on the sick, that reminds me of uh, going back to Mark chapter 16 at the very end. Jesus, as he's ascending before he's leaving, he says this to them. Um, Look, believers, when believers lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Um there is the the working of miracles. There is the faith. I mean, Paul wrote so much about the spiritual gifts and the spiritual manifestations of uh, the Holy Spirit and the working of miracles. What what James again? I feel like um, I feel like if I feel like if you guys feel like I'm just harping on this, I feel like what James is focusing in on here is um, you're walking by faith. He's trying to get their minds and their hearts centered on this. Um, and, and so as I launch into verse 14, as Pastor Scott just mentioned, is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And Scott, you and I have both been a part of churches uh, uh, all of our lives, most of our lives. And um, a lot of people will get so into, and you may have them at your church. I know I probably have a few at our church where they want to build this um, equation if if A plus B equals C, and you try to get these variables all lined up and they focus on the elders and then they focus on the oil and then they focus on, did I say the name of the Lord? And again, James just comes right out and he says, but it's the prayer of faith. Faith is this. Let me just establish this. Faith is a firm persuasion. And you, I think you said it best. Um, I don't know if it was the last episode or this one early on. The Lord has just given you this word, resolved to know him. I'm yeah. resolved. There's a resolution in my heart. That's what faith is. It's a persuasion. It's a firm persuasion. And and I know I've preached this uh, before, but the word, uh, the word decide. You know, you know what the word decide means. What is what does homicide mean? Homicide means to kill a person. A suicide, it means to to kill yourself. But decide means to kill all other options. You've become so resolved. There is no, I think you said it best, no exit signs. There's there's yeah. too many exit signs in the world, in the church today. James is getting their eyes back on Jesus, saying, Look, it's the prayer that is firmly persuaded. It is on Jesus. When he's, when I'm looking at Jesus, I'm expecting to receive from Jesus. It's not, look, I'm, I may, I might, I'm, no, it's look, look unto Jesus and expect to receive from him. This is your firm persuasion. And the prayer of a firm persuaded heart will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And even if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now I want to just jump on this just for a second and just not backpedal, but just explain this because it's pastors, we have a lot of people who love to come to us, like you said, on both sides and say, well, then why didn't he get saved? Or why didn't he get healed? Because 
if there was anybody that was spiritual or who knew God or who had faith, it was my mother-in-law or my father-in-law or this person or that person, and they should have been healed. Again, we don't know all of the ins and the outs, and I don't know what was going on in their hearts. And again, just to touch on the motivation of the heart, just as James was dealing with the motivation of the heart of finances, he's dealing again with the motivation of the heart. Look, we can only do what we had, what we know to do in our own salvation, working out, Paul said it best, working out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're working this out as we go. There's a couple things that I just want to know. God, have you changed? No, you're still good. Are there things that I'm not going to understand? Sure I am. But I, I think it's interesting, the the father of the faith movement that we both have known and we've heard, uh, Kenneth Hagin uh, Sr., who's gone on to be with the Lord, made a statement, um, and I actually heard him preach this, but he made this statement. He said, you know, a lot of times as pastors, um, we are forcing, you know, this hand of, hey, they, if they didn't get healed, then something was wrong with their faith. But he made this statement. He said, sometimes it takes just as much faith for people to pass over into the eternal realms than it does to stay and to fight for a healing for uh, for for whatever it is that they're believing God for. And so I think what Jesus or what James is, again, just trying to say in the whole context of this entire letter that he's writing is, look, you've got to be firmly persuaded, number one, and you've got to get your motivation back on Jesus who was sent by God, the giver, the father, who's a good father. He's providing, he's made provision for. And the way that we access these things that he's made provision for is faith. It's all being firmly persuaded. And and here's a one, one last thought. They weren't preaching the New Testament to them. I mean, these these books, these epistles, they were going back and interpreting that the Father as a provider. They were interpreting faith through the eyes of the uh, of the fathers of the faith: Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. I mean, these were the stories that they had heard. God is good; He's a miracle worker. Hey, get your eyes back on God. This stuff works by faith. And again, people. Whatever persuasion people lean towards is where they're going to lean, try to lean towards when they read the Word of God uh, sure. to try to make whatever is going on in there fit their context of belief. And so, you know, the, the, the power people, man, they're going to lay right in 13 to 15, but they're going to forget 16. Yeah. 16 says, confess your trespasses to one another. That word trespasses is sin. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed Come now, on. again, this goes away from the, the, the big, okay, oil and this and this and this and that. No, 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 no. Okay. You want to get your eyes on oil and on elders? Well, how about look in the mirror? Confess yeah, your own sin to, to one another now. Well, why? Pray for one another. Why? That you may be healed. Yeah. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, I love this, avails much. Yeah, that's an ellipsis, not necessarily a period, because nope. it doesn't say avails everything and nope. does everything. It says it avails much. 
there is much that comes with an effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person. There are yeah. things that happen in the atmosphere, the spiritual atmosphere that we don't see that is happening. A prayer that was prayed 40 years ago can be answered today. And I don't Martin. know that it was prayed 40 years ago, but the affectional, fervent prayer of that righteous person availed much, not in their lifetime, but even after they were dead, it kept on going. There are things yeah. that we can't quantify in faith, we can't quantify it because it's supernatural. We can't put yeah. a number on it. We can't put years on it. We can't put minutes on it. We can't put hours on it because it's by faith. And by faith, now we're in a supernatural realm. Where God is involved and God is moving and God is doing not according to our purpose and our plan and our little minute little details of our own little life, but in a universal spectrum where God is moving in a place we can't get to, but our prayers can get to by faith. And so then verse 17, you talked about it, Elijah, boom, we're talking about Moses, we're talking about it, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. Man, he brings Elijah off the mountaintop of these people's boom. He's not an idol. He's not something that we're worshiping. Boom. He's just like us. Mm -hmm. And if he's just like us, what happened? Well, he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. It didn't rain on the land for three and a half, three years and six months, three and a half years. He's just like us. And we can have the same type of faith that Elijah had because his faith wasn't in something, but someone in the Lord. And because of that, here's what happened. And then it says this in verse 18, and he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced his fruit. He didn't just mm. pray once, but he kept on praying. And then, yeah. and then James, and then James kind of lands it here. Brethren, if any of you among wonders from the truth and what's he been trying to do, he's been trying to bring him back to the mm -hmm. truth. He says, if any of you wander from the truth and someone turns him back, which is actually what James is doing to all of them, let him, know, yeah, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. What a powerful way to land that. So, Michael, yeah. just real quick, just some thoughts on how James kind of finishes this out. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. This has got to be one of my favorite passages in the entire New Testament. Um, I love um, I love something that you started to say. Um, you you want to talk about oil and, and the name of the Lord. But it again, he's getting us back on faith. But then he goes a layer deeper and he goes, confess your sins to one another. Why? He wants he wants transparency. He wants he wants nothing to stand in the way of his body. Right. And then he says, and if you're you know, can you imagine if you were offended? If you were offended, but you you knew that um, we're better together. You knew that uh, James is writing and pray for one another. Pray for one. I got to pray for that person. I'm offended with that person, you know, that you may be healed. I promise you this, that if it if it all came down to and this is why I believe that many people this is Michael's translation. This is why I believe that many people do not receive their their healing by faith. You can say that you're in mental or faith, but you're in mental obsession. You won't get past the pride of asking someone to forgive you. And so you are just put up with that, whatever it is for the rest of your life. Watch this. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man makes much or is, is avails much. I love what the, uh, the Amplified Classic says. It says the fervent prayer of a righteous man makes much power available 
You know, you said it like the best. It's an ellipsis. It makes it available. But you, you have to do what it takes to lay hold of that thing by faith. And yeah. some of us don't even want to humble ourselves to ask somebody forgive the, forgive us and vice versa. And 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 God is saying, look, I remember when Jesus preached, he preached something like this. And if you have ought against your brother, leave your gift here at the altar. Go find your brother. Make it right with them. Then come back. Why? Because there's a great exchange. You want something from the father, but you're withholding grace from your from your own heart. I mean, James is getting them right back into this. You want to receive from God by faith and you better walk by faith. And he says this, it was James at the beginning, faith without works is dead. Like you can say you've got faith all you want. You can preach this gospel, but if you're not walking it out and if you're not showing the people that, Hey, I do believe what I say, I am firmly persuaded. Well, if your faith is true, it will produce works. And then he comes back and he says, look, um, it's going to make much power available when you do these things. And then he brings Elijah down to uh, on the same level and goes, you can have this same faith and you can see the same things that the men of old, the men of renown, the the, the fathers of our faith saw in 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 old times. But you've got to humble yourself. You've got to walk by faith. And then he just brings it down right in verse 20. Let him who knows uh, who can turn uh, a sinner from the air of his ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of offense. Uh, of and sin. James think- is modeling what he's telling them as he's writing it to them. He's Incredible. Modeling, he's modeling everything that he's telling them by the letter itself. Yeah. <laughs> the things that he's saying in the letter are coming from him in a way that he is modeling what their behavior should be in Christ. Yeah. And so uh, I just love James. I love just uh, the direction where he brings them to. And I love this last part, again, where certain camps will land certain places. So <laughs> let me stay in this sweet spot right here because it makes me yeah. feel more comfortable. But then he's like, nope, nobody gets to stay anywhere comfortable because yeah. that's not where faith lies. Faith does not yeah. lie in comfort. Faith lies in the place that we have to go that's beyond our flesh into a place where we have to have the Spirit of God. And, yeah. and I think that is, uh, that is such a huge key. Awesome. Yeah, before, before Jesus left, he said, greater things will you do because I go to the Father, right? Um, Jesus was just reminding us, look, I did some incredible things, but you're going to do greater things, but you won't access those unless you're in that realm of faith. And um, when he beckoned to Peter, think about that. You said it earlier. Faith becomes the substance of things hoped for. How does faith come? Comes by, comes by hearing. When Jesus said, "Come, Peter, Peter, Lord, if it's you, bid me come," and Jesus says to Peter, "Come," His word, God's word, faith was produced in Peter's heart. I, I think we're all on the same the same topic. James is trying to get us back on faith here at the end, but Jesus said. Come, Peter. Faith faith was produced when Peter was firmly persuaded, resolved to believe that Jesus said, come. If he said, come, his faith produced substance to which he stepped out of the boat on something that we would say is, uh, is, is just, we would all sink, right? But Peter walked. Peter stepped out of the boat and he took a couple steps before he, he obviously uh, went under. Uh, but what's interesting to me in all of this was, 
James just getting us back to this whole thing. God, the miracle things that that God wants to do in our lives still today, just like Elijah, they're all dependent upon your faith in God, your firm persuasion, your resolve. Look to God. He's the only one that can provide what we need. And James started it, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Look, I know you've been going through stuff. I know it's been rough, um, but I'm about to give you some instruction to get you back on track. And I, I, I just love the compassion, but yet the direct line to them in a language that they understood completely exactly what he was saying. And uh, just a great, great uh, book. It's a wonderful letter. Man, there is so much in there for us practically just to live day by day. So Michael Ligaris, thank you, buddy. Uh, awesome, awesome, awesome time together and appreciate that so very much. Um, listen, everybody, it's been a great episode uh, to, to just land this plane with James 5. We've got some really cool things coming on the Midweek Move uh, for Christmas. I think you're going to enjoy those things. And then uh, at the beginning of the year, we've got some new stuff that we're going to land in, and it's going to be awesome. So just remember, Midweek Move, for every moment that God gives us, He desires movement, growth, maturity in us, nothing to be left to the wayside. We can grow from it all. And uh, we hope this blesses you, encourages you, but challenges you to make a move to grow in Jesus. So may the Lord bless you guys, and we love you. Bye-bye.